0: You are Locked On Sooners, your daily Oklahoma Sooners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. From the G Family Performance Center in Edmond, Oklahoma, welcome to another episode of the Locked On Sooners podcast. I am your gracious and humble host, Eric G. Thanking you so much for making us a part of your day. Coming up on this episode of Locked On Sooners, we'll be talking about Jalen Hurts, We finally have some news on how he's adjusting to the OU offense or Lincoln Riley's offense and what are the things that Jalen Hurts needs to get better at? How likely is it he's going to get better at those things? And if he doesn't, does Lincoln Riley adjust the offense to fit Jalen Hurts' skill set or does he just go another route and put Tanner Mordecai or possibly Spencer Rattler? as the starter for OU when the season gets underway? I think it's a very interesting question, and it's one I didn't think we would be talking about, but it's the reality of the conversation right now. In segment number two, we'll talk about the New York Giants and the Cleveland Browns. I'm going to tell you why I would feel more comfortable if Kyler Murray was a New York Giant more than if he was an Arizona Cardinal, and why I would hope that he would either fall all the way to six or the Giants would move up and take him. There's some very good reasons why. I love the direction that the Giants are going. I'll explain all that in segment number two. Plus, I'll explain why it's ridiculous to say that Baker Mayfield couldn't handle Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham, two Diva-wide receivers, and why the Cleveland Browns hype is all real. And then we'll talk about Alex Grinch making an immediate impact on a four-star defensive back out of Texas. But we'll go deeper in that, and I'll explain why You need to turn your staff over every few years. The consistency is important, but there's a reason that staffs need to turn over. And there's a very good example in college football, a success story in college football of a staff that constantly changes and why that ultimately invigorates not only the coaches, But the players around them, that's in segment number two. And then in segment number three, I'll tell you who to root for in today's conference tournaments if you want to see OU go dancing. Plus, we'll look ahead to next year because I think there's a possibility of three freshmen coming in and starting for this OU basketball team next year. And it's actually got me kind of excited. So it is a crucial year. Next year is just a, a crucial year. In the life of the OU basketball program, especially under Lon Kruger, So we'll discuss that coming up in segment number three. My name's Eric G. I work for 1340 The Game. I've covered OU football and basketball now for five years. I run a website called Sooner Maven. You can check that out at collegesportsmaven.io slash Oklahoma. And um, hey, if you like listening to this podcast, might I recommend that you listen in your car? Because I think we're good company on that drive to work or on that drive home. And you can get caught up. There's enough episodes where you feel like you can you need to get caught up. Hey, we've got you taken care of. All you have to do is tell your smart device to play the Locked On Sooners podcast. Thanks to our friends at 24-7 Sports. We now have some news on Jalen Hurts and how he's adjusting to the OU offense. And one word, inconsistent. That is the word amongst OU coaches is that they can see Jalen Hurts' upside But right now he's inconsistent. Lincoln Riley's even been vocalizing that he's been throwing a lot at him and Tanner Mordecai to see exactly what these guys can pick up on. And the hope is is that Jalen Hurts, throughout the spring and then eventually during the summer, will be able to get everything down. And we had to know there was going to be some bumps in the road. Okay, I, I didn't come in thinking, or I didn't think Jalen Hurts would step on campus and ultimately be flawless, but one thing I did think, since this offense is supposedly so easy to run, and that's why you have so many high schools implementing it, because kids don't have to learn as much to figure out this type of offense, is that Jalen Hurts would have an easier time coming from Alabama to adjust to OU's offense than the other way around, and what makes this offense so easy to run is that you just don't have as much stuff to memorize. There's no huddle. You don't, the, the quarterback isn't telling everybody what they have to do on a particular play. Everybody just looks over to the sidelines. They get the signals. They know what to do. And then the play is off. And some of it depends on the quarterback. A lot of it depends on the center as far as where he's lining guys up at. But the reason this offense has been so implemented all over the country in both college and high school is because kids can grasp it a lot easier than they can pro-style concepts, which Jalen Hurts got used to at Alabama. And terminology, I understood, was going to be different going from Mike Loxley to Lincoln Riley, but I didn't expect to hear this. And now I'm starting to think this could be a real problem. Now, let me put the emphasis on could, because I still think Jalen Hurts is a pretty smart kid. He's got the record to prove that he should be a starting quarterback. But if for some reason it's not working out, when you're about a week or two into fall camp, Lincoln Riley is then faced with the decision of do I end up changing my offense enough to, sit, to, to set up Jalen Hurts to be successful and adapt to his skill set, which would be awfully nice to do, or are we going to be more realistic and say, look, if you don't get it, this is what got me this far. This has gotten me to two college football playoffs and made me the head coach. I got a five-star in Tanner Mordecai who's adjusting faster than you, and I've got a five-star and Spencer Rattler, who is going to be on campus. So they're going to be the guys that I go with. And I do think it is very important that by the time OU kicks off against Houston on August the 31st, that you do have a quarterback decided be, decided on because we don't have to look that far into OU's history and realize that when there's been a quarterback controversy, that things really haven't turned out all that well for OU. There have been some rough starts, some good finishes, with Rhett Bomar and Trevor Knight, but if you think about the Rhett Bomar-Paul Thompson situation or the Trevor Knight-Blake Bell situation, when that position was unstable, OU didn't play all that well. And it was never Bob Stoops' philosophy to have two quarterbacks. It's not Lincoln Riley's philosophy to have two quarterbacks. And what you will find in these situations, and this is very, this is maybe the most telling thing that you'll find in these situations, is that if, there's a, if there is a quarterback competition, and it is close, players will pick sides. And sometimes the players want a particular guy, and sometimes the coaches want a particular guy, and sometimes the coaches have to go out and prove points and let the player's guy start, let him fail, and then the coach will have his guy come in and ultimately take over. I don't see that being the case at OU, but it's something worth keeping an eye on. Plus, because you've got depth at quarterback Really, you've got two other guys that that should be able to pick up this offense and be pretty damn good at it. You're not in a situation like you are at OSU where you've got Taylor Cornelius. The main reason you're starting him is because he's a senior and you're trying to redshirt two guys behind him. Now, you don't roll that way at OU. It, 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 OU is a school where you come in, you either fit or you don't. And if you don't, Unfortunately, you have to go because there's just, there, especially on offense, there's just too much depth for you not to be a guy that ultimately understands it. No matter how talented you are, you're going to need to find another place to go. Defensively, for a while, OU could get away with it. Defensively, they could try and tailor-make stuff to players, but they can't do it on offense, so Jalen Hurts really needs to figure this thing out here in the next few months if he wants an opportunity to start at OU. and. I mean, that's just the bottom line. And I don't mean to be cold, and I think he will do it. But I also don't worry about that position for OU, whether it's Spencer Rattler starting or whether it's Tanner Mordecai, because both of these guys were highly recruited. They've been in the spotlight. They can adjust. Not only can we, I mean, we've said it a thousand times, they can adjust the offense, but I also think that they can handle the pressure of being the starting quarterback at OU. If not, I don't think Lincoln Riley would have given either one of them a scholarship. But that's something that's just food for thought as we get ready for the upcoming spring game, which is on April the 13th. And then we also get to see how some other positions start playing out, and particularly on defense, where I'm interested to see it just where everybody is lining up. Um, do we see Buki move back to cornerback? Do we see him be nickelback? And for the most part, from what I'm reading, is he's going to stay at nickel. Um, It'll be him and Justin Broyles kind of fighting it out for for that spot. Parnell Motley's a guy that I'm going to be watching very closely because I just want to see, um, what I want to see about Parnell Motley is not only that great playmaking ability that he has, but is Parnell Motley, does he have a sense, a renewed sense of urgency around this particular staff? And is he the type of guy that can handle what they're throwing at him? And if they coached him up to make him believe that he can make great plays, and can he get over on some of these OU receivers? That's really what I want to see out of the defensive backs in that spring game is can they make plays on OU's offense? And I'll feel a lot more comfortable if they can do. I don't expect that to be the case. I don't know exactly what we're going to walk away feeling after the spring game, but I do want to hear reports coming out of practice that The OU defense is getting the better of the OU offense, at least in a few series. This is the Locked On Sooners podcast. I'm Eric G. Coming up next, I'll tell you why Kyler Murray would be much better off with the New York Giants than he would the Arizona Cardinals, despite that obvious fit with Cliff Kingsbury. That's coming up next on Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily Oklahoma Sooners podcast. This is the Locked On Sooners Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Eric G. Thank you very much for listening. Hopefully you're listening in your car. I think we make good company on that way to work, on that way home. All you got to do is tell your smart device to play the Locked On Sooners Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and you can also sample any of the other podcasts from the Locked On Podcast Network as well. I am sold now. I want Kyler Murray going to the New York Giants. I have done everything but go on to NFL.com and buy my Kyler Murray New York Giants jersey. Not only because I think it would, he would look sharp in that uniform, but I like the plan that the Giants have laid out for the future. And really, the only thing they need right now is a star quarterback, and that's the hardest thing to get. I can give up a star receiver. I know they're coveted. I can give that guy up. I gave up Odell Beckham Jr. In return, I now have two first-round draft picks that I can use. One to get Kyler Murray. Another one at 16 from what I'm seeing is to get an offensive tackle. But you've got a guy in Saquon Barkley. This is why I love it for Kyler Murray. You've got Saquon Barkley, who's coming back, a guy that rushed for over 1,000 yards last year, a guy who was the leading receiver for the Giants. So OBJ wasn't, wasn't even their leading receiver. You have Sterling Shepard, who could turn in to a number one receiver for a year or two while you're still looking for that one guy who could be that complete difference maker. You've got Kyler Murray, who can make plays with his legs. You've got Nate Solder, who will block for Kyler Murray's blind side and do it as well for Kyler Murray as he did for Tom Brady in New York. Although, I will say, it does kind of concern me that the Giants did give up 47 sacks last year. That's a bit of a red flag when I when I think about this, but you can minimize those sacks if the run game is as effective this year as it was last year. And Kyler Murray is also the type of guy that that the stats bear out that if things start to break down, he is going to be able to make plays with his legs. And not only do you've got that first, not only do you have two first round picks, but I think you picked up a third for Odell Beckham. And there are other draft picks you have that you could build a team around Kyler Murray. It just seems like it is more solid. And you're also, the other thing I like is you're not in a division with a team that just went to the Super Bowl, the Seahawks who have retooled and gotten better, the 49ers who are getting better. It could take a while, even, even with Kyler Murray there, it could take a while for the Arizona Cardinals to get into the playoffs with as good as that division is going to be in the next two or three years. I look over at the East, and yeah, they've got the Eagles, but the Cowboys, while they've been good, have always been inconsistent. The Redskins are up and down at best. I think there's a hole there for the Giants if they just do things right. And by trading Odell Beckham to the Browns, they started that process. And speaking of Odell Beckham going to the Browns, Heard some talk yesterday from Rob Parker that he doesn't think Baker Mayfield or the Browns are going to be able to control, control Odell Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry in the same offense because it's two diva receivers. They're not going to be getting their touch. Obviously, Rob Parker doesn't know Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is not going to give a damn what Odell Beckham or Jarvis Landry have to say if they're not getting their touches in any particular game. This is the best offense in that division. The best. Not only are you loaded at running back, and that's even with Kareem Hunt getting suspended for eight games. Now, now if I'm them, I don't trade Duke Johnson. I keep Duke Johnson. Uh, but you've also got Nick Chubb. You've got Baker Mayfield. You've got two-star receivers. They're golden. And, and and I don't see drama being a problem, at least for the first year. And, and if something gets out of control, Baker Baker's the type of guy that can get it under control. Plus, as we talked about yesterday on this podcast, The big thing is, is that you've got their former receivers coach at LSU as the receivers coach for the Browns. He can speak both their language, and he's probably the one guy in the NFL who, if things are starting to get a little bit out of control, can keep both these guys under control. So I don't see this being, I don't see the drama being the big issue that everybody's making it out to be. And I real quick wanted to talk about Alex Grinch. And the impression that he's making on Ryan Watts, who is a four-star defensive back out of Texas, who likes the way OU's playing defense, likes the way they press guys, but more importantly, loves the enthusiasm that Roy Manning and Alex Grinch has. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because I believe it's important to turn over your staff every few years in, in, in in, in a college football program. Now, one, you do need that figurehead. That that Nick Saban type guy who just who brings the appearance of stability. And it doesn't hurt to have that longtime assistant, a guy like Kale Gundy, who's been in the program a long time, who's been through the ups and downs, who is still a really good sounding board and knows the ins and outs of a place like OU really better than anyone else can. Better than the head coach, better than any new, any new assistants come in. So as long as you've got the head coach. And that one long-time guy, you're good. But you need young blood coming in every day. Or you need guys like Nick Saban gets who's looking to get their career back on track because they're going to come in with a new enthusiasm, a new passion. They're going to come in a lot of times with just some new ideas. And, be, and one thing they can do is get the current players on campus to kind of get out of their doldrums. When they've gone through these routines over and over again and they've gotten up at a certain time every morning and they've gone through particular drills and they've gotten used to everything that particular coaches say, not only their message, but their quirks and everything else, eventually it just gets old and it wears on you and it wears on the other coaches around them. So the great thing that Nick Saban has done at Alabama, he has encouraged his coordinators to go get head coaching jobs or to go other places, and that's what Lincoln Riley's got to do here. There will become a time for as great as Bill Biedenboe is where Bill Biedenboe will need to get out of Norman and a new offensive line coach will, will need to come in just, just to shock the system a little bit. And eventually that's going to happen with Alex Grinch and Roy Manning, etc. As long as you've got Cale Gundy as your Star Wars, you're fine. And as long as you're giving the appearance of stability it'll be fine but you need those new guys coming in every day to sort of just get everybody into shape and make them feel like it's brand new again and that's what's going on at OU right now is there's a feeling of newness that hasn't been there since the early 2000s and Bob Stoops take taking over that's what Lincoln Riley has done he's given this program a shot of adrenaline and he's done it not only with his presence but with the hiring of other assistant coaches. This is the Locked On Sooners podcast. I'm Eric G. Coming up next here on LOS, who you need to be rooting for today in the conference basketball tournaments and why I'm so excited about OU next year for basketball. It's all right here on LOS. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily Oklahoma Sooners podcast. This is the Locked On Sooners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Eric G. Please listen in your car. Just tell your smart device to play the Locked On Sooners podcast or any of the other podcasts from the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Locked On Sooners and Locked On Thunder, your team every day from the Locked On Podcast Network. Um, Very telling here. There's something very telling going on in the OU basketball program right now. They're having a watch party on Sunday for the NCAA tournament selection show. And I would think that because you're having a watch party, that there's been a lot of conversation amongst Joe Castiglione, Lon Kruger, everybody else in the program, that you're still feeling pretty good about your NCAA tournament chances. Um, if you're just strictly going on what Joe Lenardi says, he's had him at a solid, he's had an OU as a solid 10 seed now for about the last three weeks, and even the loss to West Virginia hasn't knocked OU out of a 10 seed. He's got OU as one of the last four buys. The only thing that's really changed for Oklahoma is the region and the opponent that they're playing. But 10 looks pretty good. And if you're going based on that, then I don't think you would put your kids on display to be disappointed. That being said, you never know what's going to happen to the committee. And you probably need Auburn to knock off Florida today just to make sure that the Gators don't jump you in the tournament. You definitely need Utah State to beat San Diego State because you don't want to give the committee any chance to take two Mountain West teams. Because if San Diego State wins, obviously they're automatically in, but there's no way you can keep Utah State out. There just there just isn't. Utah State deserves to go to the NCAA tournament. They would be taking up an at-large bid you could get. And then in the AAC, you got to hope that Cincinnati and Houston both advance so there's no upsets there, so that Cincinnati and or Houston would be the only at-larges coming from coming from the AAC. What you don't have what you don't want is an upset. Uh whoever wins there takes the automatic bid, and then Houston and Cincinnati both have to have an at-large. It's still dicey for OU, but ultimately I think they're gonna they're going to pull it off and they'll get into the NCAA tournament, and I think they'll promptly make an exit. As a, as a seven as a ten seed playing against the seven, but next year next year OU basketball has an opportunity to be really good. And one of the main reasons is is you're purging all these seniors who never really stepped up and took on leadership roles. Just didn't happen with these guys. And you're bringing in a new freshman. And there's a chance that you could have three freshmen end up starting next next year for OU. One of them maybe Jalen Hill, who was just named Player of the Year in Nevada. Um, three-star kid, he's 6'7", listed as a small forward. And I know you got, you got him and Christian Doolittle and Brady Manick, three guys that are over 6'7", or right there about 6'7", to start. You bring in this one kid whose name I cannot pronounce from Australia, who could be your center, he's 6'8". So right there you've got two freshmen, um, and then you've got Jamal Biennemi starting, but also there's a good chance that Jalen Hill doesn't start and it's the Harmon kid out of Texas as who who could come in and start. Now, he's listed as a point guard. Do you maybe play him as a two guard? Um, is it Alondis Williams coming in as a two-star, a 6'5 two kid who gets to play as a two guard? I think you could do a lot of things with this lineup. And here's the other thing that I would tell you. Some kid may be listed as a point guard, but in this day and age of positionless basketball, everybody's got to be versatile. And that's the thing that Lon kruger has got to preach to all these kids coming in, that if you want to get to that next level, what they're looking for is versatility. Don't get yourself put into a situation where you're in a box and you can only play a four. You can only play a five. You need to take on so many different characteristics. And if you can, you need to show the skills of all five positions on the floor as best as possible. So I don't really, when I look at what where a kid is and what they have him listed as, I don't automatically think that that's where he's going to play in college basketball. I think that's just a way to classify him. You bring him in, you see what your skill set is, and then you find the toughest matchups. your opponents but i love where this program is going a lot of young blood coming in next year and that's desperately what ou needs this is the locked on sooners podcast i am eric g wishing you nothing but the best hopefully ou's going dancing when we're talking about them again on monday and until monday may god bless you and your family everybody love everybody and peace love and boomer soon you are locked on sooners part of the locked on podcast network Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts locked on. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.